Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey everyone. Okay, first, before I get started, um, you should subscribe to my Patreon because I talk about a lot of fun things over there. Uh, this week's episode was on Demi Lovato and her documentary. Of course, Demi went nuts on the Froyo shop the day after I recorded because that's what she does. <laughs> um, this week, I'm going to do the Sister Rev season finale. Then I have a couple fun things coming up in the next few weeks. However, I do want to say I noticed that I had um, like three or four people unsubscribe from my Patreon. And the reason I put is because the Patreon app is so bad. I posted on my um, like Patreon account Instagram that I have, but I think this might be a good way to reach those people. And this is just in general. Like, if you are a patron of places, like, you do not need to use the app to listen to the podcast. Here's the thing. Every time you subscribe to somebody's Patreon, like, podcast Patreon, you get what's called an RSS link. This RSS link comes in your welcome email. You can find it on the Patreon browser under my membership. And then if you're on the Patreon app, you can find the link under um, overview. And if you do this by the Patreon app, so if you go on the Patreon app, you select Liz Explains It All, then you go to overview. Scroll down a little bit, you'll see like, you'll see the RSS link. If you click on that, what will pop up is an option to open that RSS link into like a variety of podcast apps. Click on that, it will bring you over to the podcast app, and then you'll be able to listen through the podcast app. Basically, what the RSS link does is it creates a feed, like your Patreon feed, and you can use that link in your podcast player. So I remember when I first got on Patreon, I think in like 2016-ish, maybe earlier, I don't remember. Um, I like almost unsubscribed from the couple of podcasts I was following because the app was so bad. I just, it was so bad. I hated it so much. And then I realized, oh, well, you don't actually have to use the app. So all of the podcasts that I listen to via Patreon, I listen to on Apple Podcasts. It's, oh my God. <laughs> I got an Apple Watch this week. I know. Uh, it's a whole thing. My Fitbit, like, I bought a new Fitbit in the fall, and it has been such a piece of shit. I've had to, like, re- reboot the entire thing, my phone and the watch, three separate times. It will not sync. I'm so frustrated. But I need to figure out how to turn off notifications when I'm recording this because I'm getting them on my phone. And Princess just texted me, and it's really hard to... um it's really hard to ignore that when it like vibrates on your wrist. So I just turn on do not disturb. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, so you do not need to listen to Patreon podcasts on the Patreon app. Seriously, this is a PSA for anybody that listens to any podcast via Patreon. Like, I hope that you can use this even if you don't subscribe to Liz Explains. Go onto your feed find the RSS link and put that in your podcast app. It's so easily easy to do manually in Apple Podcasts. There are like a million um, tutorials online. Basically what you do is you go into shows, you hit edit in the top right corner, add show by uh, URL, copy your RSS link into it, hit subscribe or hit complete, and then you're subscribed to the podcast. We're all giving up the Patreon app. The Patreon app is garbage. It sucks that that app is industry standard. But this is just a PSA to anybody that listens to those explains and hates Patreon app. Or if you just listen to any podcast via Patreon, like 
put the RSS feed in your app, your podcast app. Like I use Apple Podcasts, Overcast. I think you can do it with Stitcher, Pocket Cast. I'm pretty sure. Like if you use any of those, get your link, listen to your show via your preferred app. Okay, that's the PSA. Subscribe to my Patreon. It's really fun. It's really good. I love the Patreon. But even if you don't, please use this information to make your life better. Improve your quality of life because the Patreon app is true garbage. I wish there was a better place to host premium content for podcasters, but the reality is is that Patreon is, what's the word I'm looking for? Industry standard, right? Like, it's hard to ask people to use a platform that isn't Patreon, especially like when every other podcast is using Patreon. So hopefully maybe one day a good competitor will come up and a bunch of people shift over. I don't know. We'll see. The thing is like as far as hosting uh, content, it's very, very simple on Patreon. Like it's, I mean, it's as easy as could be. So I think that's the reason why like another app hasn't really popped up, but I would like there to be. I mean, should I put this on OnlyFans? (laughs) I love when people use OnlyFans for like non- explicit content. It's like, why are you doing that? I, OnlyFans takes a really big cut. Like, go, like, it's very, I don't know. I find it really weird. Like, was it Dorinda from Real Housewives in New York, like, putting content on OnlyFans? <laughs> very bizarre. Anyway, hello, everyone. How are we? Um, This week, I'm going to talk about last week's finale as well as the reunion this week. Was there actually an interesting reunion this week, guys? I can't believe it. There was. I mean, only five minutes of it was interesting, but still, that's five minutes more than reunions usually are. You know that I'm not a reunion head. I specifically think Teen Mom reunions should not be a thing. Um, I hate Dr. Drew with all of my soul. He reinforced it in this episode. (sighs) The thing that sucks is like, And I'm sure in all of the reunion episodes I've discussed this, what we want from Dr. Drew is like never what we're going to get from any Teen Mom reunion host. And I think it feels especially frustrating because Dr. Drew is a doctor and acts like he's a therapist, even though he's not a therapist. He's an addiction specialist, but he's not a therapist. So I think like when it comes to Dr. Drew, we hold him to this standard of like you should be more professional and more like astute with your observations and you should say better things and you should stop being such a racist well he's not racist he probably is racist i was gonna say misogynistic piece of shit as he always has been but that's just like never what teen mom reunions are gonna be this is never gonna be a real housewives reunion you know like it's just never gonna be that and it's because like we don't cycle through cast members now Obviously, cast members have been shifting more than they used to, but, like, they're not going to come out swinging against Amber, even though they should. They're not going to come out swinging against Jen and Larry, even though they should. It's just never going to be that. And I think that when you watch these reunions with the expectations way lowered, they are more enjoyable or, if not enjoyable, like, easy to digest, But if you're expecting a Real Housewives reunion, like, it's never gonna be that. Oh, also, Mackenzie McKee believes in um, vaccine shedding. (laughs) Do you know what vaccine shedding is? People believe that um, when you get a vaccine, you shed, like, basically, like, you sweat out. I don't know if it's sweating. I haven't, like, dove deep, deep into this. 
But the idea is basically like us vaccinated people, not just with the COVID vaccine. Vaccine shutting has been a thing that's been talked about for, I was going to say a long time, but a long time isn't accurate, but at least a couple years in like the the areas of the internet in which people talk about these things. The idea is basically that like I as a vaccinated person, like out of my pores comes stuff from the vaccine and then it like gets on to the non-vaccinated person. (laughs) It is truly the silliest thing in the world, like the silliest thing in the world. But this is what um, Mackenzie McKee said about it because Mackenzie McKee, we know, is a dum-dum. So if you didn't know, there's been some talk about uh, the vaccine, like messing with your cycle. It's, I guess, causing periods to come late or come early. I, I think it makes sense. It's like a you're getting, you know, like a change in your body and like things are going on in your body and stress. And we all know this like affects our cycles. Um, That didn't happen to me because I haven't had a period in like 10 years. I don't know. I'm on birth control. I don't get periods anymore. But um, I have seen people talk about it and it's definitely something that's been discussed and I'm not discounting that, right? Like that is a real thing. There are side effects to the vaccine. There are things that need to be researched. Like there are some unknown things. I kind of can't stand people that are like, you're not allowed to have any questions whatsoever about the vaccine because I don't think that helps anybody or anything. And I also think it's stupid to be like, we're not like when the Johnson and Johnson stuff talked about like, or happened like, yeah, it's okay that we talk about this. Like, it's fine. Like, we're allowed to talk about this. It's okay that they pause it. It's good that they pause it. They just reinstated it, reinstated it. Like, everything's okay. I personally think that the goods, like, way outweigh, like, all of the bads. And the reality is, though, that some people have weird or bad side effects to it, right? Like, any single thing that we put in our bodies, some people will have side effects to it. Um, So, this menstruation thing has been going around. And Mackenzie McKee posted a video that said, Are COVID vaccines causing severe side effects with women's menstrual cycles? All capitals, question mark, explanation point, you know, that type of thing. Fine. I didn't click on the video, obviously. (laughs) I have no idea if this video is from an anti-vaxxer. I'm guessing it's from an anti-vaxxer. That would be my best guess. But it's possible that this is just somebody talking about the side effects. I'm guessing not, but whatever. This is Mackenzie's caption. Thoughts, question mark? Oh, she also posted then um, a link to a video about shedding. Okay, so she says, thoughts, question mark? I'm just saying. I'm around a crew every day whom all been vaccinated. <laughs> Let's read that again. I'm around a crew every day whom all been vaccinated. <laughs> and my body has been messed up, capitals. Something just isn't right with me. Once again, I just want your thoughts. We are the research for this vaccine. And it's sad, frowny face. Now. I love when people use the word whom. (laughs) Here's the thing. You will never catch me typing the word whom because I don't understand when to use whom. (laughs) So I don't ever say it and I don't ever use it. Whom is not a word in my vocabulary. I don't ever need it. (laughs) I find ways around using it. There are definitely times where I'm like, I wonder if I'm supposed to use whom there, but I don't. Please don't message me and try and explain when to use whom. Guys, I have a learning disability. (laughs) It will not make sense to me. This is part of my learning disability, things like this, okay? I know, fun, you forget Liz Bentley has a learning disability, but I do. It's not just that I have ADD, like I have 
learning disabilities, like full stop. I know that for some people, ADD or ADHD is just like executive function stuff and doesn't necessarily affect their schoolwork, but like I have ADD plus learning disabilities. Okay. So I just don't use it. That's actually like um, a coping, I don't think coping skills is the right word, but when I went to like my special school and was taught tips and tricks on how to like exist in this world with learning disabilities, one that like I picked up there and just something that I learned is that I just don't use things that I either can't spell or can't understand. Um, it served me really well. I actually thankfully I'm a very good writer and I read a lot as you guys know so it's like not that I can't understand a bunch of stuff but I am the worst speller in the world like I'm a really really bad speller thankfully actually Google is a very good spell check and will pick up words I'm trying to say that Microsoft Word or um like Apple correction will autocorrect like will not understand um most of the time actually like Word doesn't really know what I'm trying to say uh but Google usually will but sometimes I can't even um like get Google to figure out what word I'm trying to say so I just don't use that word I don't use certain um like grammar things like whom because I just don't really understand them and what I've done is I've just like adapted my skills in other ways this has been a lifelong process I'm an almost 33 year old woman like this was very hard for me as a child but it's just something that I've learned to do I do it with a lot of things I just figure out a different way to complete the task say it differently do it differently etc it's a good skill um, so I just don't use the word whom. Like, that's just, that's just the way that I do it. It really, <laughs> you know, it, it really makes things easier. It clears things up. So I love an aggressive use of the word whom. Um, Mackenzie saying that her body has been messed up is, uh, look. Does Mackenzie have a very serious chronic illness in which she has had a lot of trouble managing throughout the years? Yes. Does Mackenzie McKee have a, um, what one could observe as an unhealthy relationship with diet and exercise? Also, yes. Has Mackenzie McKee been through an extremely stressful two years? Also, yes. My guess would be that those are probably the things that are messing up her body um, more than being around people who have been vaccinated. <laughs> Oh, God. And then just also the idea, like, we are the research for this vaccine, and it's sad. I want to know when people say this stuff, how they think vaccines are researched. First of all, we're not really. The trial is the research. But, like, when people say that, what do they, like, how do they think vaccines work? Like, what do they think the process is for vaccines becoming just like a regular standard vaccine that you get? Like, do they think that it's tested on animals for many years and then we figure out that it's okay? Like, it, it, the measles vaccine was like tested on people, as in like a lot of people got it before we did. I think that people are so ignorant, like not aware of the world dumb in a lot of cases that like they hear this like we're the experiment for the vaccine and it's like yeah that's how medicine works <laughs> like 
do they think that like a lab exists where robots are replicating human um, reactions to medicine? I it's just so silly. It's so so silly. Oh, Mackenzie, you're so stupid. Apparently, it looks like next week in the reunion we're gonna hear poor Mackenzie talk about how she didn't know the word colored was bad. And of course, they're not going to call her out on it. I would like Nessa to take her to task for the bullshit that she posts. I would like Nessa to take her to task, asking her why she thought that um, Kamala Harris was not a role model for young girls of color, I believe. Isn't that what the, the post said? How she didn't think that Kamala Harris should be that anybody that heard that her daughters or other girls of, not other, but that girls of color should look up to. She isn't good representation. Remember that? Like, that was what the post was about that she was sharing. So I know that this whole thing is going to be a focus on, like, Mackenzie's use of the word colored and act like that is the problem, which that's a problem. It's not the problem. It's it's obviously a problem that Mackenzie's so stupid that she thinks people are saying colored people still. Like, that's a problem. And I don't give a fuck that she lives in Oklahoma. Please. I don't give a fuck about this. It's 2021. You are a grown adult. You have access to TV, books, internet. Like, I don't really care if your education wasn't that good or if all the, uh, like, grownups in your life spoke like that. Like, at this point, like, you go on the internet. Figure the fuck out. Like, most other people have been able to do it. Like, do some reading. Read some books. Like, I'm not even saying, like, read theory. Like, read some young adult novels. <laughs> like, I was, um, oh my god, I did something really pathetic yesterday. I really, I was at Target. I live for Target Pizza Hut breadsticks. For whatever reason, like, those hit so hard. I would never order Pizza Hut. I'm absolutely, like, if I'm getting chain pizza, I'm a Domino's girl. I do remember, like, going to Pizza Huts as a child. Remember, like, free reading week when you would get, or when you would, like, do your reading and then you get, like, free Domino's, or excuse me, free Pizza Hut. Like, I do remember doing that, but, like, for whatever reason, the breadsticks, <laughs> Target hit so hard and I was, I had to get some stuff at Target and then the guy was like, oh, well, it's going to be eight minutes for more breadsticks. So I was like, oh, I can kill eight minutes in Target. I'll be back. <laughs> so stupid. And so I was in the book section and like I was looking at the um, young adult books in Target and they had a really good selection of diverse authors. Um, They had like The Hate You Give and the other book by that author. I haven't read either of those. I I really, I don't really fuck with young adult as an adult, you know, like as a teen. I love, love, loved young adult, but I can't really get into it. In my adult years, I know a lot of other adults do like young adult stuff, but it's not really for me. But um, there are books like that. You know what I mean? There are a lot of really popular books that you can read, Mackenzie McKee, to learn some things. And I'm not saying you need to pick up a book on critical race theory. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not saying that you need to read some papers on intersectional feminism. Like, that's not what you need to do. You need to just, like, watch a documentary on Netflix. And obviously, like, that is not enough, right? Like, reading some young adult novels and, like, watching a documentary is not enough. But I just mean as, like, far as basic understandings of the world, like, you can do that. And you can even go, you can go on YouTube and watch some stuff. Read some shit on Twitter. But 
So it's not like, one, it's not acceptable that Mackenzie thinks you call people of color colored people. That's not acceptable. But that's not the main issue in her post. And that's why, like, I had such an issue with her apology where she was like, I was scared to say the word black. Once again, I ask why you would be speaking about black people if you're scared to say the word black. Like that, that's my number one question. Like if you're scared to say the name of the race that you're speaking about because you're scared you may be speaking about it in an offensive way, don't talk about it, right? Like if if you're worried about like the thing that you say may be offensive, like just don't say it. Like that's like just don't talk about the subject. So that's point one. And then point two is she shared a racist as fuck post. Like the post she shared was racist. That's the main problem. And I know this is going to be all about the colored person of it all and not about the fact that she's out here in the streets sharing racist shit constantly. Like she is a hardcore Trumper. So yeah, we'll see how that's addressed. You know, like I'm not, I just, I really cannot say Mackenzie McKay. Okay, let's take a quick break, and then we will talk about the finale and the reunion. Okay, before we get started, (laughs) I have been very gently kicking around the idea of doing some sort of merch for this podcast. I don't think, I don't know if this will ever actually happen Princess is the one who actually put this idea in my mind, so you can blame her. Um, I'm not even sure what I would do exactly, but I was kind of thinking of t-shirts with, like, phrases that I say, but not ugly. Um, So if there are any phrases that I say often that you really like, you guys know I go into a fugue state while we record these. Why wait? Why I record these? I have no memory of anything I ever say. Um, shoot me a message of a phrase that you think is funny or is classic to me. You know, like I have thought of like the gift of the gab, like things like that. I have no idea how I would actually make these into merch. I'm honestly not really sure it'll ever pan out, but it's just like an idea that I'm kicking around and keeping a list of options in my notes app. So yeah, message me. Okay, Um, as far as the finale, I just want to, like, touch on things from the finale. I'm not really going to do a recap. Cheyenne's having a boy. Mm, Truly don't care. They're naming him. I thought the reason for naming him Ace was actually quite sweet. Um, They decided they wanted to name him Ace. Well, Zach decided he wanted to name him Ace because his dad is a tennis player, which I remember knowing for whatever reason that his dad was a tennis player. So I thought that was cute. Um, But yeah, they're having a boy. They have a gender reveal party in which a helicopter is used. They're a low-key gender reveal party. (laughs) Cheyenne says to Corey, she's like, I don't know why anybody's having like these big parties. And Corey's like, what are you talking about? Like, they're having these parties because of you. (laughs) And he was right. Like, she totally feeds into the Instagram of it all. Didn't I just see, like, six people died at a gender reveal this week? We were talking about gender reveals in my class on Wednesday, I think. And then I swear on Thursday, I saw that there was an explosion Um, Oh, yeah. So a huge explosion cracked house foundations in New Hampshire. 
Okay, damages homes. I don't know if people actually died, but there was a huge explosion. The party goers detonated. Oh, this is about to play. Okay, so it says the party goers. Oh my God, I am so fucking sick of people asking me to whitelist them. And I don't want to whitelist you because then I can't read your site because your ads are so bad. Okay. This is what CNN says. Another gender reveal party turned dangerous, this time in New Hampshire, with an explosion that shook nearby homes. The partygoers detonated around 80 pounds of explosives, King simply said in a statement. They use an explosive called Tannerite, a target used for firearms practice that also comes in a gender reveal variety. After Kingston police arrived Tuesday, they said the partygoers admitted the explosion had been part of a gender reveal party and later told a detective that they'd chosen the quarry because they felt it was a safe location to detonate the explosives. But the detonation triggered tremors that some neighbors who lived near the quarry believe came from an earthquake. One woman told CNN affiliate that the explosion caused cracks in her home's foundation. Another neighbor, neighbor called the explosion absolutely over-the-top ridiculous. I'm not upset because I have chalk or confetti blown my way, says Sarah something. I mean, it was an explosion that rocked my home. Okay, um, I was using this, like, rocket ship app thing that makes it so you can read without having to turn off ad block, but it just disappeared. So yeah, that was what happened at the gender reveal party. There was an explosion. They set off 80 pounds of dynamite because that that's a thing that should happen. <laughs> Ugh, it's so stupid. It's so bad. But yeah, that's it. Cheyenne's having a boy. The genetic testing came back fine. Um, she says that she feels relieved, but at the same time, like she doesn't want to celebrate that she has, that the baby doesn't have V-clad because Ryder does have it. And so she's like, well, I don't want to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't have it because Ryder does. And I feel like that would make her feel bad. And I was like, I think that makes sense. Okay. Um, let's talk about Amber. I, I took these notes last week and then I swear to God, I rewatched this episode three hours ago and I am already have no memory of what happened. What the fuck? This show like does not retain in my brain anymore. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes, but like I need to actually, my notes are weird. Like they're not, they're just like, you know what I mean? Like I, I type as I'm watching, like stream of consciousness is the thing I'm looking for. And so they're not that helpful if I can't actually remember what happened on the show. But okay, so Amber sees her therapist. I forgot about this. Right. Amber sees her therapist who is that psychiatrist. I don't think he's a therapist. I don't think this man is a therapist because remember, she saw him with Andrew and he was a psychiatrist. I believe he was a child psychiatrist. Now, I'm not saying that psychiatrists can't do um, therapy because they can and they used to, right? Like, that's why, like, sh psychiatrists are shrinks. Like, they shrink your head. Is that why they're called shrinks? I think it is. The shrink next door. Wasn't that what that was called? Which, by the way, that podcast was, like, not very good. And I tweeted that without tagging the person. And I was like, I could have done this better. Like, mostly joking, but also I just thought I had a lot of production notes, if you will. And the fucking host name searched it and responded, oh, yeah, what would you have done? Like, leave me alone. <laughs> I didn't tag you. Anyway, um, I know, like, psychiatrists used to provide therapy, but... For the most part, and I think it really has a lot to do with, like, our billing system in the United States and just the way that medicine works in the United States. Psychiatrists are mainly for prescribing medicine now, which is why, like, 
I actually, my psychiatrist isn't even a doctor, I'm pretty sure. He's like a, a nurse practitioner or a, yeah, he must be a nurse practitioner. And we talk for 15 minutes on the phone. He doesn't know much about my life at all. He's very nice. And by the way, like, I am never going back to in-person psychiatrist appointments in my life. I will be doing telehealth forever. Like, for a 15-minute med check-in where nothing is changing, I'm not going into your office every three months. I used to have to go when I was on Adderall and Xanax and stuff. I used to have to go to the psychiatrist every single month. <laughs> I'd go see my doctor. Oh, that was awful. But um, where was I? Oh, so Amber's like talking to her psychiatrist who, I don't know, maybe he does provide therapy I don't think she's in any sort of regular counseling with him. I don't see any indication that she's in any sort of regular counseling at all, which is why she's in such a pickle now, I think. Um, she's talking to the doctor and she's like, you know, in the past I would have said that this is just my bipolar acting up, but now I'm realizing that it's triggering me. And basically, you know, the doctor is talking about like, the fact that she needs to be more aware of her trauma and what triggers her, which I think is true and why she should be going to more therapy. So Gary goes out to lunch with Carol, his mom, and Carol <laughs> pulls out this picture. I'm going to use it for the posts on Instagram this week because I took a screenshot of it. It made me laugh. Carol pulls out like this glamour shot she has of Leah from when Leah was like four that she got printed on a canvas. <laughs> it's so silly, but... Gary and Carol talk about what's going on with Amber and Carol, thank God, was like, hey, I love Amber. Like, you know, I love Amber. You know, I root for Amber. But like, you need to let Leah like have her space from her. I was like, finally, I feel so bad that all of these adults in Leah's life are like, well, you need to try with your mom. You'll regret it if you don't try. And I know that you feel this way, but like, you need to try. You need to try. And I understand why they do that because I, I can understand that as an adult you are in such a hard position there, right? Where it's like, if I don't encourage her to spend time with her mom, is she going to regret it and be mad at me and think that like I kept her from her mom? I I really do understand that. Um, This is a reason that Leah should be in therapy, which we'll talk about more in the reunion episode so that a professional could help Gary in this situation. But I wish, like, Gary would validate Leah's feelings a little more, which I think he is doing based on the reunion and what's going on at what we hear at the reunion. But it's just, like, Gary constantly being like, well, you're going to regret it. You need to do this. I just think it sucks. And I'm glad that Carol's like, well, I'm surprised that Leah hasn't exploded before. And they talk about how Amber used to promise to pick her up and Leah would just, like, wait by the door and cry when she didn't show up. Which is why it's such bullshit when Amber's like, I was there for her before jail. I was there for her before prison. I did it all by myself. Like, we watched the TV show for the first, like, year and a half of her life. She lived with Leah, and then she didn't. Like, Amber has not been involved in this child's life almost the entire time. And even when Leah was very little before she went to prison, she was in and out of the picture. So... Then, um, Amber, oh, Amber, <laughs> Amber has a conversation with a woman who run, well, when, oh, no, no, sorry. Okay, so she's going to see Leah the next day because she's James and she brings James over to Gary's house for visits. And, which is nice. I'm glad for Leah that she gets to spend time with James there. And I think it's nice for Amber that Gary is the one that supervises their visits. I believe that's what's going on. I think Gary is considered somebody who's supervising 
um, because she has to have supervised visits. I think she's able to like transport him back and forth without a supervisor, but I guess Gary axes it. I think that's actually a good family situation unless, you know, everybody's not getting along. But for the most part, I think that's good for Leah. It seems to be good for Amber. Um, I don't really know who else in her life would supervise the visits because she doesn't really have a lot of people in her life, right? Like, I've talked about this extensively, like, Gary, Christina, kind of her mom, and, like, I don't know where her cousin is. We haven't heard from her in years, so I don't think she has any people in her life who could really supervise besides Gary. So Amber, before she goes over, decides that, (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, but this was bizarre, Once again, okay, instead of going to therapy and putting in the work, Amber is always like, this season at least, like calling people from organizations to talk to them. Like when she spoke to that like body positive woman and now she's speaking to a woman from the On Your Feet Foundation, which helps women, mothers, um, reestablish relationships with their children. I think that this is a good idea. I mean, I... I think my guess would be that this is for women who are in recovery from drug addiction and they help give them supports and tools for like how to get reacclimated in your child's life because that's really hard. Um, I think that as long as it's that and not mostly supporting people like Amber, I think it's fine. But this girl was just like, they were talking about Amber's mom and Amber's like, well, it's not about my relationship with my mom. And the lady's like, well, yeah, it is, you know, like it is because the way that you are with your mom impacts the way that you are with your daughter, which I think is very true. But once again, why should she should be in therapy? I think that like an organization like that probably works a lot better as a um, support network and like a group meeting situation, like basically like AA, right? Like where you have somebody you can talk to who's been in that situation, who understands it. And I think it's for people who are in a more stable position than Amber is. I think that Amber needs to be working with a professional for this. I think that probably a lot of the women there need to work with professionals. I think that an organization like this is like supplement, supplementary, supplementary, whatever. It's in addition to the professional resources that you're having, um, it it's more for mentorship, mentorship, I would say. Like it's more like you're speaking to someone who's been through the situation so they can relate to you and have empathy and understand and they've been there and they can give you advice. And I think that's really great, really important that's needed for many situations and types of like issues that people have. And it's why peer support is such a valuable tool But that's, like, not what's going on with Amber because Amber isn't actively trying to be in Leah's life, right? Like, Amber's trying for TV. Amber wants to be in Leah's life as far as, like, how Amber wants to be in Leah's life. And I think that she really would need a therapist and somebody that's, like, professionally trained to help her see why she's wrong. I don't think this woman at Get On Your Feet or whatever it's called is qualified to do that. So I just want to make it clear, like, I'm not bashing this organization. I think it's probably, like, really, really helpful for many women. I And I do think that we definitely need to acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of women that want to do better and being mothers and, like, just do not have the resources to do so and do not know where to turn to and do not have supportive family. And I think it's great if there's peer support in these situations. But I don't think that that's 
I don't think it's for people like Amber who are still like very much in active. I don't know what to call it with Amber. I don't know if Amber's in active addiction. Look, was Amber high as fuck at the reunion? Yeah, of course. Like she couldn't keep her head up. But I don't know what she's using. I, I mean, maybe she wasn't high. Maybe she's, like, super medicated. And I don't mean, like, abusing her Xanax medicine, which I think, I guess, I think Andrew has said that she has prescriptions for Valium and Klonopin. So if that's the case, then she's high and she's abusing those meds. Um, But if it's something like she's on a new heavy antipsychotic or, you know, like, really serious... um. Like, I don't know what the word for it. I guess antipsychotic would be the word. Like, there are a lot of mental health medicines that are not abusable medicines that can make you seem high and just, like, have really heavy side effects on you. So I don't know if it's that or if she's, like, abusing um, benzos, right? Like, I personally, I think she's probably abusing benzos, but I don't, we don't really know what the truth is there. And... So I don't want to say she's like an active addiction because we don't know that, but we know that she's not in any sort of recovery, not really referring to drugs, uh, referring to mental health. We know that she's not really actively seeking treatment. She's not really doing much to try and get better. She is really in the thick of it. And let's be real, like Amber has a very hard life. And I know that we don't want to talk about this and like I'm not saying it as an excuse for anything because I think that Amber's a pretty bad person. I think she's pretty cruel and I will not like act like this. There aren't consequences for this. But like I think that Amber having both bipolar disorder and borderline personality disorder and just like a lifetime of trauma and also just I think that being famous is really fucking bad for her. It's really, really bad for her. The trauma of that is probably, I'm not, I'm not sure she probably even understands the full trauma of that yet and probably may not ever, honestly, or may not until she's off the show for a very long time because I, she's in the thick of it and she's always been in the thick of it since she was 16 or however old she was when she was on 16 and pregnant. I think that that, like, her perspective is so warped on that that it's probably hard to see how much trauma comes from it. But I think that somebody like Amber is life is really hard for her. You know, like I, I do have empathy for her because life is so hard for her and like getting better when you have mental health issues, especially when you have a personality disorder is so fucking hard. It takes so much work. It, it takes so much work to get better. It's so hard. It's draining. It hurts so much. And I understand why she doesn't want to do it. Honestly, I do. It It's easier to not get better. And I, it's, it's kind of an oxymoron to say because like it doesn't actually, the thing is it's like her life would be so much easier if she put in the footwork and like really like got serious in DBT and like really tried hard to make changes. I mean, it is possible when you have borderline personality disorder, it's a highly stigmatized personality disorder. I mean, what all personality disorders are stigmatized, right? But it's like highly stigmatized. It's like a really gendered diagnosis. Um, I'm writing a paper for class on antisocial personality disorder. I think it's very interesting that um, 
antisocial personality disorder is diagnosed in men like three to one. And I wonder what the diagnosis for borderline personality disorder is. Not not that they're the same thing, but it just shows like how gendered um, personality disorder diagnoses are. Like, it, I don't believe that three times the amount of men have antisocial personality disorder than women do. I think they're just probably not getting diagnosed with it. And I would imagine there are quite a few men who are not diagnosed with borderline that have borderline because it's such a gendered thing. Anyway, um, it is possible to do DBT and like really do treatment and not, I don't know if they say that like you don't have it anymore, but you no longer fit the diagnosis diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder. I My understanding is it's like a being a drug addict or like having an eating disorder in which you go into recovery for it essentially. And it's manageable, but like you never, it never really goes away. It's like always kind of there. But if you put in the work, you are able to like no longer um, meet the criteria for it. So it is possible to like recover and get into like a better state of mind when you have borderline personality disorder. It's really hard and it's not possible for everyone, but they're, you know, they've made a lot of like um, progress and treatment for it where 15 years ago there was, they were saying there's absolutely no treatment for it. And that's not the case anymore. And I would love to see Amber like actually go to an intensive inpatient therapy place because she can afford it. And I bet MTV would pay for it and really try. Um, it's so what was I know how I got here. I was saying it's the thing that sucks with mental health is that it's easier not to get better, even though if you get better, your life will be easier. Like, that's the truth with a lot. I would say it's very true with eating disorders. It's very true with substance use disorder. Um, it's very true with anything that, like, you have to put emotionally hard work into fixing. And that sucks. And it's much easier to just, like, keep on as you are and not have to do any self-reflection or do any work. But the thing that sucks is then your life sucks. And I just, I don't know, I don't know if Amber has it in her to do the work, but I do want to remind everyone that Amber is like 31 years old. I think a lot of the time we talk about these teen moms, Janelle included, Farah included, like they are 75 years old and they will never change and it's impossible for them to change, in fact. And that's not the case. They're still quite young. I mean, my parents didn't get sober until their 50s, you know? Uh, maybe late 40s, but early 50s. Like, I, I mean, it will suck for their children if that happens, but I, I don't like the idea of writing off people as they can't change because I don't believe that to be true. So then Amber tells this weird story about how at one point, like, she had went to live with her dad who is dying of cirrhosis of the liver and they had gotten to a huge fight and the cops came and her the police officer was like, um, well, she was like, I can't be here. You know, he's dying. And the police officer was like, well, wouldn't that make you want to be here more? And then Amber's dad apologized to her. And so she forgave him. And she's like, I wish Leah would forgive me that way. And I'm like, uh, I, <laughs> uh, that's how I feel about that. Uh, I, I don't think that you should compare that with Leah. I don't 
think that that's a, I don't think they should like ever compare the way that you feel about your parents to the way that your children feel about you. I don't think that it's a fair comparison, honestly. I don't think it's productive, really. And I also think that, like, asking Leah to, like, once again, she's asking Leah to do the work that she's not willing to do, right? Like, she's the, she's like, Leah needs to forgive me. Not, I need to work so that Leah will forgive me. And I think she's, I know she's saying, like, because I forgave my dad without him really putting the work. Although my understanding is that he did get sober for the last, like, 10 years of his life. Um, It was just too late because he died of cirrhosis of the liver. I would imagine he probably needed a liver transplant that he didn't get. Maybe he wasn't even ever on the transplant list. But I, I don't know the full story with Amber's dad, but I don't think that that's what Amber's mentality should be and that's what she should be focusing on. I think she should be focusing on what she can do to be a better mother to Leah well, not what Leah can do to like be a better daughter to Amber and because Amber's very selfish. It's like always going to be like that. Okay, so Mac McKee, Gannon sees Dr. Emily, a play therapist and I mean it was nice. I thought that Dr. Emily was really sweet. I thought she was really affirming to Mackenzie. I think that it was good that Mackenzie saw her. Dr. Emily is definitely a strength-based therapist. If you don't know what that is, it means that you um, do all of your therapy in the mentality. I'm not very good at explaining this. In the mentality that um, instead of looking at like defaults, you look at defaults isn't like the defects is the word that I'm looking for. Instead of looking at defects, you look at positives and like the way that we kind of talk about it in my program, because my program is basically a strengths-based program, is like um, risk factors versus resiliency. And we like focus on the resiliency and we focus on like the positive attributes in their life. And instead of like trying to fix the defects in your life, you focus on the positive aspects in your life and like use those to make your life better. Um, It's basically based on like person in environment, which means like you're really focusing on them specifically, what they have, their attributes, their family life, their community strengths, and looking at all of that instead of just like trying to fix somebody's depression and like what makes them upset and what makes them sad. And like obviously you still talk about that, but you it's just like I mean it's strengths based. It's looking at people's strengths. And Dr. Emily, I noticed was definitely doing this. Um, she, the whole time, I wonder if I wrote down exactly what she said. I wrote that she's a strength-based therapist, but I don't know if I wrote down exactly what she said. Um, oh, so they, like, have this, you know, they have this little one-on-one talk, and then Gannon and Emily have their little moment, and then Emily, Dr. Emily and Mackenzie talk, and basically she is just like, you know... Gannon is smart. Gannon is great. She's not worried about Gannon um, being on the autism spectrum. She basically was just like leaning into all of the good things about Gannon and like the good things about their family that they could use to help Gannon, which I thought was really nice. We're not talking about Gannon. We're talking about Bronx. I'm sorry. Gannon is not... Gannon probably needs a therapist too. We saw his issues, but we're talking about Bronx currently. They talk about, you know, Dr. Emily saying like, well, you need one-on-one, that one-on-one time adds up. I found it really sad when she said that children are egocentric, which means that they're unable to like 
think that anything operates outside of the world except for what they think about. That's not a good explanation, but she's, like, basically saying that he probably thinks that it's his fault that his dad went away, which is really sad. I mean, it makes sense, but hearing that was so sad. Um, yeah, so Josh is going to relocate to Florida. That's basically the conclusion. Bronx really misses his daddy. They think that's part of him acting out, which I'm sure it is. But I do hope that once Josh comes back, they don't just give up the therapy because they're like, Josh is back. Everything's fine because I don't believe that to be true. Okay, Caitlin. I'm giving Caitlin the award for most improved player. I have been so impressed with Caitlin. Now, do Caitlin and Tyler not pay taxes? Yeah, of course they don't. Caitlin and Tyler have a ton of issues, but as far as like Caitlin and her emotional state, she's had so much growth. She seems to be in such a better place. In this episode, she finds out she's pregnant. They tell her family. She surprises them wearing this stupid shirt that's like, if you can read this, I'm pregnant. <laughs> it was so dumb. And then she has a miscarriage and she, just the way that she handles it is so good. She's like, I'm sad, but it's okay to be sad. I'm not trying to like deny it. I feel okay. Caitlin and Tyler have a really nice talk about it where he's like, I automatically was just so worried about you. And then I felt a little triggered and I thought Caitlin was pretty validating here where she was like, yeah, of course. I mean, everything that happened last time was so hard for you which I think that's really good and important for their relationship that they acknowledge that it's been hard for Tyler too. I think Kate's mental health issues suck up a lot of room in their relationship. But, you know, what happened with Tyler was also like watching his wife think that she's going like that she wants to kill herself and having to go to treatment and all of that bad shit that happened in that like six months of time, I'm sure is it's very worrying to Tyler when he sees this happen again. But basically, like, she, Kate's fine. She's appropriately sad, which I think that when you have mental health issues, especially, like, a lot of trauma, when you can be appropriately sad to situations, that's a real win. Um, you know, the goal of getting better is not to turn off all of your emotions. It's not to just not feel anything anymore. It's to be able to, like, have reactions that are manageable and understandable in this situation and appropriate to what's going on. So I really commend Kate. Her microblading business is killing it, apparently. She's actually fucking good at it. Like, <laughs> guys... Kate is good at it. She posted this one this week of this woman who came in with totally shaved eyebrows. The woman had drawn on the ones that she normally drew on and then Kate did the microblading like based on that. And the thing is, it's like they don't look very good, but she wrote like this is what the customer wanted. And so what she did was like take the shitty version of the drawn on lines. And even though they still didn't look very like the shape and the placement, like, just didn't look that good, but it's what the customer wanted. So she was able to make them look significantly better, right? Like, awful taste, but great execution. Like, that's where Kate was for that. And she's doing really well. And I think that she's changed a lot. And I think that we should be celebrating that. I really do. Okay. Um, let's talk about Macy, because I think that will be a good lean in to the reunion. Um, Ryan decides that he'll call the therapist. So 
that's good. He does call the therapist and Ryan really liked him. He's like, I was able to talk to him for a full hour. I was really happy about that. He says there's no set time before he meets with Bentley and the therapist, but he does say, he's like, I just want to tell the truth. I want Bentley to hear the truth. Even if he doesn't believe me, I just want it out there basically being like, he wants to call Macy a bitch to Bentley. Um, they're all pretty surprised that Ryan went. Taylor and Macy are talking about it and, you know, one of them says, I hope whatever the therapist did with Ryan makes him comfortable enough to do it again. And Bentley seems eager about it and happy. Um, I think appropriately, Macy and Taylor are hesitant on how much it will work. (laughs) But it's good. I'm so glad Bentley apparently at that point had been going to therapy for six months every week. I think that's so great. And they said that it's really helping him and they can just tell that it's helping him. And so I think that's so good. All right, let's talk about the reunion. Um, Cheyenne and Zach, I don't care about as far as the reunion. They're having trouble uh, with their cleanliness levels. And we found out that they didn't have sex for 10 years. I couldn't understand what they're trying to say here. I think what they were saying is that, you know, they met as teens, but they never had sex as teens. Um, And then they didn't sleep together until I think after Ryder is born is what they were trying to say. I don't know. They're going to get married soon. Well, they're not even engaged yet, but they're going to get engaged soon. So, you know, good for them. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Let's talk about Amber, who could not hold her head up. Her eyes were completely shut. Now, I've had some people be like, yo. Can you explain to me how it's possible that Amber is this high and she gets drug tests on probation? Here's the thing. One, it's possible that Amber does no illegal drugs, that she just takes her benzos and her Valium and that's it. Most likely, the type of drug tests that Amber is getting in probation are cup tests, like P tests, which don't check for levels. So there's like a couple different types of drug tests that you can have. There's just like you can get them at the store, right? Where you just pee into a cup and it, you either like pop or you don't. Like if the line shows up or it doesn't. And if that's the type of drug test that she's getting, she most likely will come up for Xanax and Valium or whatever. I don't know what Valium test says because it's not totally a benzo, I think, because it's all, I don't know. But, like, she pops for those, I'm sure, but she has a prescription for them, so it's okay. Now, they can also do drug tests where they send it to the lab and they do what they call checking the levels, which they can tell if you're taking, like, a therapeutic dose or not. Um, I would almost guarantee that that's not happening for Amber. It's expensive to do that. It, it takes a lot of time. She is a very low-risk offender, even though her crime was violent, Compared to, like, the other people on the probation officer's case, Amber is probably very low level. Here's another thing. It's possible Amber is not getting drug tested. Yes, it is part of her probation. Yes, she says she's getting drug tested. But just because you're supposed to be getting drug tested doesn't mean that you are. Remember, first of all, it's been COVID. So it's possible that she hasn't even seen her probation officer in person in over a year. Like, that really could be possible. And because leading up to this point, if Amber had not failed any drug tests, she complied with every measure, like every requirement of probation and her probation officer considered her very low level. It's possible that she just didn't prioritize testing Amber during COVID times. 
and that she is only seeing Amber, like, via Zoom calls. Um, And Amber knows this, so she's smoking pot again. Like, there's a real possibility that that's what's going on. And, like, just because you're supposed to be drug tested doesn't mean that you are drug tested. I mean, I've had, I've known people on, like, in Pennsylvania, it's a color system. And basically, every day you have to call in. And if they say your color, like, you have to show up within, like, two or three hours for a drug test. And they don't get tested, like, they don't show, like, they don't get their color called for a long time, like, over a month or more than a month, months and months. So, for somebody like Amber, like, it's really possible she's not getting drug tested at all. Probation officers hold a lot of discretion. Um, They are able to make a lot of decisions, and it's very possible that her PO just, like, wrote in her notes that she doesn't think Amber needs drug tests anymore, and so she didn't have to give them anymore. Now, it's also possible, like I said, that she doesn't smoke weed and that she's post that she is taking drug tests every month and she's passing all of them and she's just abusing her meds, or that she's just on a psych med that is making her really appear high, but she's not. Okay, so Amber, they talk about her dog dying. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Amber says that she's been trying to get a hold of Leah, which once again. This is not a boyfriend. Leah's not a boyfriend. So I don't really know why she's, like, trying to get a hold of her. Amber says, if there's no relationship with me, Gary, and Christina, then there's no relationship with my daughter. People need to know their place when it comes to my children. I get pushed out a lot. My hands are up, and I'm here saying, I love you, and there's nothing else I can do but really accept this. Amber's the victim, of course. Dr. Drew's like, but I'm so proud of you. Are you okay? Dr. Drew really likes Amber. I don't really get it. Amber says that she's okay, but she wants people to see her for the person that she is. We find out that her and Dimitri are definitely together. Okay, girl. Okay. (laughs) To that I say, okay. So Gary comes out and Amber says that Gary and Christina could have helped her a bit more. (laughs) Which is crazy. Um, Although she does have this point. Okay, so Amber says that if she were in the position of Christina... She would have Leah in therapy with her, like with the mom. I don't disagree that Leah needs to be in therapy. I don't know why Gary doesn't want her to be in therapy. She was having panic attacks last season, like, or whenever that was. I I definitely think Leah should be in therapy. I'm not sure Leah should be in therapy with Amber because I'm not sure that Amber's in a place where she can healthily do therapy with her daughter. I, I kind of don't think she is. Um, basically like Bentley and Ryan, right? Where the therapist, as far as we know, like is not ready to bring them into the same room. I think Amber should be in therapy and I think Leah should be in therapy by herself. And then if the therapist thinks it's a good idea, they should be in therapy together. But I will give Amber credit there. I think that Leah should be in therapy. Absolutely. Gary, um, he does say, so he kind of like avoids why she's not in any therapy. And he does say, well, I don't want to put words in Leah's mouth, but I don't think she really is interested in that. Basically saying, like, Leah's not interested in going to therapy with her mom. Which, if that's the case, then I don't think Leah should have to go to therapy with her mom. Once again, I think Leah should be in therapy for herself, but I don't think a child should be forced to do therapy with an abusive parent. Because Amber's an abusive parent. So... Gary, you know, he's like kind of, he's like, look, Leah watches her Instagram videos or a friend will show her her Instagram videos and get embarrassed. 
And I was so mad because Dr. Drew like runs right past that. He's like, well, you know, Amber's correct about therapy. I'm like, okay, but can we rewind and talk about the fact that Leah's watching Amber's Instagram lives where she's unhinged and basically calling Leah a liar? Because that seems really important. Why don't we focus on that? But once again, it's another reason that uh, Leah should be in therapy. So Gary says, you know, uh, that might be the case, but like we've been hearing the same thing for Amber for 10 years. I think another part is Gary's like, Amber's not going to show up to therapy with Leah, which I think is probably true. Like, what's the point of making this big to do about putting them in therapy together when Amber's probably not going to go to therapy together? The first time that Leah like comes at Amber in therapy, it's done. Leah's her new target. Well, Christina's her target right now. But as I said, like, Amber can't handle criticism from anyone, including her own daughter. Dr. Drew's like, hang on, hang on. That's not fair to say that Amber's been the same for 10 years. And Gary's like, it is fair. It is fair. And I agree that it's fair. They focus so fucking much on Amber going to prison. And that is an 18-month period in the 12 years of Leah's life. And not that much has changed since she got out. So why are we still talking about it? It try the I wish we could never speak about Amber going to prison ever again because it has absolutely nothing to do with where she is now. Because it, Leah doesn't remember pre-prison. Leah has no memories of that. Leah's memories are from when Amber is in prison and then when Amber gets home. So who gives a fuck what happened before then? We're talking about current Amber. And I don't like that Dr. Drew is always like, but she's changed, she's changed, she's changed because she hasn't. Because Dr. Drew sucks. <laughs> Ugh, so Amber's like, wow, you know what? You know what I want to say? I want to say everyone going through mental health in this mental health community, please keep your head up and don't like people like this. Put your head down. You don't have to listen to negativity like this, which love that. Love that. Gary saying that Amber hasn't changed in 10 years is, of course, the same as him attacking all people with mental health. <laughs> Ugh, she's like such a deflector. It's so fucking annoying. Um, Gary's like, you know, Amber doesn't have a lot of support. So like we tried to be there. We went out of her way to help her. And then she gets on social media and calls us two-faced. This I thought was interesting though. Gary acknowledges that he was inappropriate with Amber. I found this to be really surprising. Really surprising. So Gary says, you know, I went over there and I put my arm around her and I comforted her. And, you know, I let her know she's not alone. And we sat there for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then she turned it into this nasty and perverted thing, even though it was totally fine. Okay. Um, I was really, really surprised to hear that. And then Amber doesn't really like refute that. Amber says, you know... I was put in a compromised position because I thought he was trying to be supportive. And then there was a touch here and there, which I actually agree with Amber on this. I think that that's a really inappropriate situation for Gary to put her in. I kind of believe Amber and I kind of always have believed Amber that if her and Gary are not having like, maybe they didn't actually hook up or do anything. I kind of think they did. I don't know. I think that Amber would admit it if they did and she would use it to attack Christina. So I guess they didn't, but I believe that Gary's inappropriate with her because I think Gary's like an inappropriate person. I think Gary's gross and I think Gary would cheat and would cross that line. Like that to me is very believable, but I will say Amber kept it like really tight 
in this. And I think that if, so that confuses me because I think she was already heated. So you would think that she would bring up like, well, then he texted me and said he wanted to fuck me, which is what she said happened or something like that. She was saying that Gary was actively saying he wanted to have sex with her. But in this, she's like, well, there was just a touch here and there. I'm also guessing she doesn't have text messages from him because I think if she had text messages from him, she would release them. That's why I'm kind of like, I really thought at the beginning of this season that they did hook up and like all of this stuff happened. Now I'm kind of backtracking on that belief because I think that she would have come out with a lot more information if that was true because she's just been getting angrier since the season premiere. It's not like she was... You know, it's not like they had this blow up after the season premiere and then like everybody got in line again and everything's okay. Like it's seemingly gotten worse since then. So I'm kind of thinking nothing else happened besides an inappropriate touch, whatever that means. Maybe he's like, my guess would be that Gary was there like grabbing her waist. Um, like maybe like hugging for too long. Like I'm, not defending. I think this is gross. And I get why that makes Amber uncomfortable because she thinks that Gary is just there to be a friend and be supportive. And then he's like playfully grabbing her waist or like touching her arm or just like doing things. I think that's totally inappropriate. Truly fuck Gary for that. It it, it puts Amber in a really unfair position. It puts, I mean, it's fucked up to do to Christina. It's fucked up to do to Amber. I think Gary would do that type of stuff. But I guess it wasn't as much as I thought it was just based on what Amber has said and done since she told us about this. Um, Gary admits that he said, don't tell Christina that I'm doing this about his arm around her. So like, clearly whatever happened was inappropriate. I was really surprised by this, to be honest. I didn't think we would like talk about this at all. I was surprised to hear Gary be so like upfront with it. Um, Gary then says, if I wanted to be with someone that wasn't my wife, it wouldn't be Amber. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> rude. <laughs> Dr. is like, well, did you think he was trying to seduce you? And Amber goes, seduce me? No, I don't think he was trying to seduce me. But I do think he was doing a bit much for someone who has a girl. So I guess I guess what Gary is saying for the most part is true that they like had an inappropriate embrace. And then I think Amber's saying correctly, like I would believe Amber that Gary has been like occasionally being too comfortable in his touch for somebody that has a wife. And I think that's a lot different than what Amber was saying at the beginning of the season online when she was saying that Gary was trying to fuck her. <laughs> like, it's a lot different, you know? A lot different. So Drew's like, okay, so you're kind of like starting this shit storm unnecessarily. <laughs> He's like, I don't really get like why you decided to bring this all up and create all of this drama. And Amber's like, hold on. Hold on. That is a bullshit thing to say that I did this unnecessarily. You aren't here, Drew. You aren't here. And Dr. Drew's like, well, it doesn't like really matter what happened. You're just making drama. And Amber goes, the thing is, I, the thing that created the shitstorm, I took it down. And Gary starts to laugh. And then immediately Amber's like, you need to calm down with your laughing. You need to be a bit more mature. And they like keep going forward. And I was like, hold the phone. I need somebody to tell Amber it doesn't fucking matter if you took it down. <laughs> Putting it out there is the problem. It lives forever in screenshots. It does not matter if you took it down. Say it, forget it, right? What, what's Dorinda's 
oh, say it, forget it, write it, regret it. Like, Amber needs to speak with Dorinda Medley. This is the second time I'm mentioning Dorinda in this episode. Because you can't take it back. You wrote it. It doesn't matter that you took it down. That the, That's how fucked up Amber's mind is, that she thinks that anything that she does doesn't actually matter as long as after the fact, she's like, oh, sorry about that. She thinks that there should be no consequences. Um, So they have a flashback about the relation or the what Gary was saying with Leah, I guess, because I just heard flashback. And then the next thing Amber says is, you know, the convo that you had with Leah, it was really super nice. But I think Christina could have said a little bit more than I'm a bonus mom. What? <laughs> what is she talking about? Christina was so nice in that scene. She was like, you you know, your mom is your mom. Your mom loves you. I'm just the bonus mom. Christina was so appropriate in that scene, but Christina is now Amber's target. I think that Amber is a very angry and cruel person, and she has decided that Christina is her target, and it's an irrational hatred, right? Like, I saw some people say, like, do you think that Amber is jealous of Christina? And, like, sure, I bet there is a little bit of jealousy that Leah looks up to Christina like she I think that Amber is jealous but not actually jealous of anything in Christina's life because I don't think that she actually wants to parent but I think that Amber is enraged that Leah doesn't like worship the ground she walks on so I don't know if that's jealousy necessarily I think that there can be a difference between jealousy and being angry that my dogs aren't crazy <laughs> I think there's a difference between jealousy and being angry that somebody is getting something that you want. And I know that sounds exactly like jealousy, but I don't think that Amber, like, wants what Christina actually has. I think that Amber's just mad that she's not the center of attention for Leah. Um, okay. Oh, somebody came to my house. I can hear my mom talking. It was the mailman dropping off a treat for my dog. (laughs) Which is very nice, but annoying when my dog flips out. Okay. Um, sorry, I don't know where I was. I have to press pause because it was very loud for a minute. Mary clearly has no idea what Amber's talking about or how to even respond to it. So he's just like, what? What's going on? And Amber's like, I get pushed to the side. And Drew's like, well, you know, you're right in the sense that these are emotionally touchy issues. She says, he says, I think Christina would understand that. And Amber stops him and goes, you know what? I'm going to stop this right here because I'm going to end this on a positive note. She stands up and she says, Gary, thank you so much. I really enjoyed seeing that conversation. I was really happy to hear you sticking out for me. And I'm like, great. That is a nice way to end this. (laughs) And then she goes, but your wife is horrible. (laughs) Actually, absolutely horrible. And Dr. Drew's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) So funny. I'm going to start doing this. Like, you know what? I want to end this positively. I fucking hate you. (laughs) Then she goes, thank you so much. Gary, I appreciate you. You know it. We've been there for each other for how many years? 15 years. You're a great person. You've always been there for me when I asked you to. You said I could trust you and I did trust you, but I can't trust your wife. She sat there and has gotten in the way of me and my daughter over and over again as you have tried to push her towards me. So I'm going to go ahead and leave. I hope in the future we can have a good relationship, but me and Christina, it's not going to be like that. (laughs) And then just Gary's on screen. Ness is like, 
uh, that's a shame. And Dr. Drew's like, well, it's a work in progress. And I think a therapist would help. God, such a mess. I just love, like, I'm going to end this positively. Gary, I think you're great. I want to kill your wife. (laughs) Classic, classic. All right, let's talk Macy, the infamous fight. Guys, I actually just found this to be really upsetting. (laughs) Like, I... I found this to be just fucking sad. Like, Larry and Jen to me are just such sad people. Like, I, oh, look, Larry and Jen need to stop buying Ryan's bullshit. They need to put up boundaries with Ryan because they are clearly, like, not in a good place, right? Like, Jen is suffering, I think Larry doesn't know what to do. I think the thing that really fucking sucks is that Ryan holds those kids over Jen and Larry's head. And I really genuinely think that they have weighed their options and they think, like, it's not worth us sacrificing all this time we have with these three other kids, Stella, Jagger, and Huddles, for to spend, like, once an afternoon once a month with Bentley. And that's a really shitty position that Ryan put them in. And I think they are terrified of upsetting Ryan. Maybe they didn't even do that consciously, but I think that's absolutely what's going on. They are terrified of Ryan dying and having him die after they have a fight. They are terrified of losing the grandkids. They are in such a hard position and they are not making it any easier for themselves. They desperately need to get boundaries for themselves. Nothing Jen and Larry does has anything to do with Ryan using. It doesn't. Like, it, it. they could cut him off. He's going to keep using if he wants to. They could not cut him off. He could get better if he wants to. Well, that's a little simplified. But he could decide to go back into treatment, get on Suboxone, get on methadone maybe. Like, there are a million options that Ryan has that personally I don't think that his parents being on his side has anything to do with. The issue is, is that Jen and Larry are, like, obviously making themselves sick over this. Like, Jen is sick over this and it's so sad and they're letting Ryan terrorize their lives. And I, they would be a lot more um, sympathetic if they could do this while also, like, not putting Bentley in the middle of it. Like, I think that though, I think that Ryan's such an asshole that, like, unless you are, like, screaming your support for him, he won't let you around. I just... Look, Jen and Larry are making their fucking choices, right? Like, they're making their choices and they are going to suffer the consequences of it, which is they're not going to have a relationship with Bentley, and that's fucking sad, right? Like, that is so sad, and that is because of the choices they are choosing to make. And while I feel sad about that, I don't think that that's the wrong thing. I think that Taylor and Macy should be keeping Bentley away from the Edwards family as a whole at this point. Um, I think that if, if, um, what was I going to say? I think that if... Jen and Larry will not see Bentley without talking about Ryan or making Bentley see Ryan, then Bentley shouldn't be around them if he doesn't want to be. I think it's full stop. I think that Jen and Larry are making their choice. I think it's really sad that they have a son that's forcing them to make this choice. I do. I also think Jen and Larry, like, desperately need to get into their therapy, the two of them, so a therapist can explain to them that Macy is not a trigger and that Ryan is fucking liar and that Ryan is a bullshitter. I think that they believe a lot of the stuff Ryan says because they don't 
do any further investigation into it, if that makes sense. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention this. In the finale, um, Taylor says, when talking about Ryan and Bentley going to therapy together, Taylor says that he thinks that ben- Ryan should have to pass a drug test before he can go to therapy with Bentley. I don't think so. I don't think that that, I don't think Taylor should be making rules about what happens in therapy. Um, I don't think that's appropriate. I think that the therapist, I think that they can talk to the therapist about their concerns with that, for sure. I think Macy and Taylor should go in and have a session and be like, we're not even sure, is it safe for Bentley to see Ryan without a drug test? I think, though, that, like, the place to limit interaction without a drug test is not in the therapist's office, right? Like, the safest place that this talk can take place. I think that if if the therapist thinks, I mean, you guys kind of know that I kind of think that Bentley and Ryan going to therapy won't really do much um, for their relationship if Ryan is not making a choice to get better. But I'm not their therapist. I'm not a therapist. And if Ryan, if Bentley's therapist thinks that Bentley will benefit from a session or multiple sessions with Ryan, even if Ryan is still using, then they should give him that. I don't think that that's a place where Taylor should step in and lay down a rule like that. They let Bentley go over to the Edwards house. You know, when Ryan doesn't have a drug test, I think it would be weird to put that. I think, like, if the therapist thinks this is a good idea, then they should listen to the therapist. Macy didn't really seem into that either anyway. She was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> She's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I get it. I totally get why Taylor feels that way, by the way. I'm not, I think Taylor is, it's so understandable why he feels that way. I think his feelings are very valid. I just don't think that what Taylor wants should override what the professional therapist thinks is best. Okay. So, uh, Macy comes out and talks about the gun violence situation. She talks about her therapy. She explains that she's doing tapping, which is really cool. Um, It's a type of like self-soothing measure. And I actually did, okay, so when I did what's called EMDR therapy, which I believe the tapping comes out of the EMDR therapy, because the way that I did EMDR therapy is that like, while it's kind of complex, but basically the way that I did it with my therapist is that I wore headphones on my ears And, um, in my hand, I held, like, vibrating eggs. (laughs) Like, truly, I don't know how to describe them any other way. Yes, like, the sex toy is what I'm saying. And one would vibrate in my hand, and then at the same time, like, a noise would play in the headphone, kind of like a hearing test noise, and that would happen, and it would alternate from left to right, the vibrating and the noise as I was talking. I think that's similar to the tapping thing. Um, that really, you just like did it while you're talking. I don't know why it works, but it really, really worked for me. And I believe what Macy's talking about, the tapping comes out of that EMDR because there's a bunch of different ways to do EMDR, which is a type of trauma therapy. Okay. So they talk about that. Then Taylor comes out and Taylor came out swinging. Taylor was hyped. Here's the thing. I totally get where Taylor was coming from this whole time. Do I think that Taylor escalating the situation helped anything? No, I don't. I I think that I'll get to it, but I think that when he called um, Larry a son of a bitch, I think that that took things to a level it did not need to go. I think it did not need to go there. Do I understand his frustration? Yeah, of course. Of course I do. Because the Edwards are fucking delusional. I feel bad for them, but they don't live in reality. 
And I can't fucking imagine how frustrating it is for Macy and Taylor to deal with them. And it's not just dealing with them. It's with Bentley. Like, I I get it. I get why Taylor was so hot. And I, I get it. I mean, he comes out swinging. He says... He says, this season, I think that Bentley has shown the Edwards that he has a voice. He says, every episode, you think Ryan can't be dumber than he is, but then he'll prove you wrong the next week. He says, that guy can really show you how big of a piece of shit he can be. (laughs) Nessa's like, oh, (laughs) I think they did not expect Taylor to come out so hot because they don't usually do, you know? And Taylor right away is like, y'all saw the clip. He sat there and he called my wife a bitch. Like, what do you want me to say? And I get it. I totally get it. And Taylor's like, I wish I could speak to them, but they won't speak to us, which is true. And it's bullshit. I think it's bullshit that Taylor and Macy had to get up there and fight with Jen and Larry. You know, like Jen and Larry play their part. Do not get me wrong. They absolutely play their part. But I don't really think it's productive for Taylor and Larry to go at it. You know what I mean? Like, I, that's not helping anything. The issue is primarily between like Macy and Ryan like between with Ryan and yeah the Edwards are enabling them whatever you want to call it you guys know I kind of think the concept of enabling as far as the way that we think about it in regards to addiction is bullshit um I don't really like the concept of enabling I think it puts way too much pressure on the family member or like the loved one in the situation and not enough accountability on the addict um I don't really think that it's like productive for us to be like Jen and Larry are enabling Ryan and they need to stop and once they stop Ryan will get better because one I don't believe that to be true I don't believe that if Jen and Larry stop enabling Ryan that he'll get better um I think that Jen and Larry like I think it's more important to speak about it and it's semantics sure but I think it's more important to speak about it in regards to, like Jen and Larry being truthful Jen and Larry getting boundaries because Jen and Larry are lying, right? Like they're actively lying in these situations. And that's a really big problem. Um, I don't know if a lot of people would call it that, but like that's what they're doing. They're telling lies to themselves as well, I think. And they're they're hurting themselves by doing that. They're not living in reality. So I think that Jen and Larry need to like stop being liars, stop accepting Ryan and what he says as fact and like create some strong boundaries with Ryan. And even if that is simply like, we're not going to stick up for you on this television show and we're not going to disagree with Taylor and Macy when they say factual statements. I think that would go a really, really long way. And I also kind of think that's all Macy and Taylor won. Like, I don't think necessarily Macy and Taylor, like, really expect the Edwards to be on their side. I think that they just don't want them to be lying about it. Like Macy says, so, you know, uh, well, first Taylor says, you know, Macy's a trigger for him. And what I heard this year is that he doesn't want to sit out here because he's working to build a relationship with his son. And Taylor says, you know what? That's fine. That's fine. If you like, basically Taylor's like, Ryan, if Ryan is concerned that coming out here will hurt his relationship with Bentley. That's fine. But then don't sit over there and call my wife a bitch. <laughs> exactly. Taylor is dead fucking on. Um, They both say they don't think Ryan is sober. Duh. I don't think any of us think Ryan is sober. And then Taylor says that he doesn't feel safe sending our son to Ryan's because he's high. So Jen and Larry come out. Um, You know, Jen is doing her, <laughs> her thing. Have you guys seen Bentley? 
oh, well, you know, we'd like to see Bentley more, but Bentley's busy, so we get it. We just can't see him all the time. Oh, my God. Jen, <laughs> stop. This is what I mean. She's telling lies. She's telling lies here. If she was being honest, she's saying, no, we haven't really seen Bentley because Ryan gets high and Bentley doesn't want to be around him and we're choosing to spend time with Ryan and the kids. That is the truth. That's why it's so frustrating watching them because they're lying. So, you know, Larry, Drew asks Larry about the tabloids and he's like, well, didn't you blame Macy for them not being together or you not being able to see him? And Larry said, hold on, hold on. I didn't blame Macy. I said that L Macy has limited some visits. And Taylor's like, Macy has bent over back. Like, so he goes, since the day I've known Macy, she has bent over backwards to make sure that Bentley has a relationship with them. Absolutely true. Larry's like, I have nothing more to say about this. So Drew also brings up Larry saying that Macy was putting things in Ryan in Bentley's head against Ryan. And once again, Larry says, I didn't say that. I said a 12 year old boy can be manipulated. That's what I said. That's what I thought. And Macy's like, honestly, like I watched this show and I was shocked. She's like, I did not know this is how y'all felt. And I really felt for her there because I didn't really think about that. But I can imagine like watching this season and hearing them say that she's putting stuff in Bentley's head and like how hurtful that is. <sighs> so hurtful. Jen starts crying. Um, So this Macy says like, she said, I didn't realize that the feelings that those are their feelings and that they believed me or us are manipulating Bentley. She's like, I didn't know that's how y'all felt. And this is when Jen starts crying. This is when I start to feel bad for her because I, I think that when Jen hears that, I think, I mean, Jen knows that she's lying, right? Like Jen knows that she's telling lies. Jen knows that she's indulging in bullshit. And I think when she's like kind of smacked in the face by Macy, a person that Jen cares a lot about, Jen really cares for and about Macy. And I think hearing that, like, kind of the reality of her actions upset her, which I get. It would upset me, too. Okay, so Jen is saying, you know, we're caught in the middle. You know how much we love Bentley. You know how much we want to support Ryan's recovery. She says, it's so hard if you put yourself in our place. And if Bentley had a problem down the road, I know for a fact you'd do everything in your power to support him. And Macy's like, I know. And Larry's like, you wouldn't give up on him. And Macy's like, absolutely not. Larry says, you wouldn't turn your back on him. Macy says, and I don't think y'all should. She said, I never thought that should happen or wanted it to happen. And Larry's like, hold on, hold on. You said we put Bentley in an unsafe situation. I have no idea how we got from here to there. <laughs> no idea. Because saying that Bentley shouldn't be around Ryan is not the same as saying that Edwards should turn their back, turn their back on Ryan. And Jen is like, you know, that would never happen. We would never put him in that situation. And this is when Larry kind of sits up and moves towards Taylor and Macy, but he's like still sitting. Like basically he just goes from leaning back on the couch, but like it's very visible. He like leans up in his chair and kind of like his butt like comes off the seat a tiny bit to like emphasize what he's saying. And Taylor's like, don't buck up to me. Don't buck up to me. And Jen's like, calm down, calm down, Larry. And Larry says, I'm going to tell you. And Macy's like, Taylor, relax. I took this like word for word, basically. 
Larry says, don't tell me when we did and when, and this is when Taylor like starts to sit up too. And Taylor says, when you're forcing him, when y'all show up to something and you're telling him, go over there and give your dad a hug, go take a picture with your dad. Bentley's a child. Stop forcing him to have a relationship. Stop guilt tripping him. Taylor's absolutely right there. I, they don't even, like, they let Bentley go to things where Bentley's at, or where Ryan's at. They're just saying, like, the Edwards need to stop forcing him to say hi to him or give him a hug. Um, and Larry says, we don't guilt trip him. And Taylor's like, y'all gonna let me talk? Go right ahead. Taylor says, Ryan has never been there for him, but y'all put it on Bentley and y'all make Bentley feel guilty. Uh, this is when Larry says, where were you for the first three years? Which, what? Macy was in another relationship for the first three years of Bentley's life. Like, what the fuck is he talking about? (laughs) I guess what he's trying to say is, like, you actually weren't here because for the first three years of Bentley's life, Ryan was around. Which is not really true. Like, yeah, he was, like, around physically, but not emotionally. Macy goes, he was in Texas and Bentley, and Ryan wasn't around either. So, (laughs) she's like, why are you bringing this up? Okay, so Jen is like, stop, stop. Drew's like, hold on. And then we get to a split screen, like the view fight level when Rosie and Elizabeth had that fight. Um, Taylor's like, leave here and call the tabloid again. Larry kind of starts to stand up. Taylor stands up. Macy's like, stop. This is not worth it. This is not worth it, which I think Macy is absolutely right. Um, then Taylor says, you know what? You're a, son of, you're a sorry son of a bitch. And Jen said, excuse me? And Taylor's like, you heard me. And Jenna's like, Taylor, you need to step back. Drew is like, you're not putting Bentley first. And Jen's like, exactly. You're not putting Bentley first. And then Taylor says, their piece of crap son called my wife an evil bitch. Once again, I mean, it's just the truth. Jen says, we've always been there for Bentley. And you don't know about the first five years, which... I get from Jen's point of view, not Taylor, or not Larry's, I get from Jen's point of view, it's like, don't, don't tell me what happened when you weren't in the picture before you were with Macy. I, I think from Jen's point of view, that's an understandable thought. It shouldn't be a verbalized word. Um, Larry says, now this is crazy. Larry says, this is exactly what happened three years ago when you called him up on the phone and you used that mouth of yours. And Taylor was like, Oh, when you said he'll put a bullet in my head? (laughs) Okay, Larry doing that is when Larry has now, like, crossed the line to insufferable for me. I think he had been veering on that for a while. And him still defending Ryan on that phone call, like, it does not matter if Taylor called up Ryan to yell at him over some shit he said on the show. Which my understanding was that's not even what happened. Taylor tweeted some shit And then Ryan called Taylor flipping out is what I thought happened. My memory is that. And for Larry to have the nerve to bring that up. Oh, they're they're living in La La Land. It's just, I guess we'll see what happens next week. I think it's really sad that it got to this situation. I think that Taylor shouldn't have called Larry a son of bitch. I think that set everything off further than it should have. Um, But at the same time... I don't necessarily blame him. I get why he was so worked up. Okay, well, that's it for this week. I would like to see Larry and Taylor physically fight next week. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my God. All right, guys. I hope everybody has a good week, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. 
This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.